When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. GM, I'm Dan Roberts. I'm Matthew Deemer. I'm Stacey Elliott. And this is GM from Decrypt. Okay, GM, GM, and welcome to our newly merged podcast. It's the GM from Decrypt Pod with me, Stacey Elliott, today, and Matthew Deemer, our Decrypt Daily host. Welcome, guys. GM, hey. What up, GM? I love it. It's uh, the merge. No, not the Ethereum merge, right, Matthew? It's the Great Decrypt Podcast merge. And uh, this makes a lot of sense that people will now be able to hear us all in one place. Uh, Matthew's great daily news updates, headlines, and price checks, uh, and our long-form sit-back, talk-talk-talk-your-face-off interviews, right, Stacy, with outside guests. Oh, yes. Love it. So let's see, Matthew, you've been doing the daily uh, since the year started. This is our first kind of long-form episode of the new year, and I thought that we could kick it off with our predictions. Everyone loves predictions. Most people made them at the end of last year, but um, if I can say this without it sounding too negative and dour, it isn't like a week into the new year so much has changed that it would make predictions stale. I mean, we're basically where we were when the year ended. It seems to me that, yes, there's news every day and we cover it all at Decrypt and and you discuss it, Matthew, on the daily. But for the most part, the biggest story is still FTX and SBF. And it's going to be that way for for a little while. Although, you know, we have a trial date and it's nine months away. What are we going to do for nine months? Uh, And in terms of the market, even though we've seen a little bit of green in the last week, which is nice, you know, we are still very much in a crypto bear market and an overall economic, you know, bear market with stocks. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't think making our predictions for the year is too late. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. And it's never a bad time to make a prediction anyway, because you know what the theme is in crypto? You're often wrong. You're going to be holding bags somewhere. So usually wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and Stacy, you know, just before we get into our predictions, I mentioned FTX what do you make of the latest? I mean, you've been all over every legal development and there have been hearing after hearing. Um, and all of it is, I mean, maybe nothing should surprise us anymore, but it just seems like every time there's a hearing, there's a soundbite or a comment or a mm-hmm. stat or a revelation that is just like, wow, it just gets wilder and wilder. I mean, there's still this ongoing fight about what uh, what kind of information or if any information about FTX customers at all is going to be released Mm. into the court document, even if it's under seal. Like FTX doesn't even want to have to do it, even if it's under seal and technically the public can't see it. Um, They were asking for six months. They got three months. It sounds like the U.S. trustee is still not very happy about that, saying there shouldn't be any risk of releasing names, but I don't know. It's just interesting because we saw a lot of this play out with Celsius, too. But with Celsius, it was pretty much everything got released. And so rather than everything, FDX is saying, well, we don't want to have to release anything. And they're kind of trying to fight over this middle ground. So I think like 
that's going to get revisited in about three months when we get closer to the, you know, the expiration date of the judge's order on that. Um, it just, it sounds like it's going to be really messy. It sounds like the creditors are not confident that FDX can ever figure out, uh, like who owes what money to which creditors at all. Um, so there was some of that in the hearing this morning. We're recording this on Wednesday, by the way. And so I don't know. I think it's just going to be a big, long, ugly mess. There's just mm-hmm. so many entities involved. We just saw Sam Bankman Fried's uh, lawyers get involved and basically register to be able to appear on his behalf in the Delaware bankruptcy trial, not the criminal trial we were just talking about. So I think it's going to be a big, nasty slog. It, it's going to be relentless this year. A good segue into our predictions, and this wasn't on the docket for any of us, but you know, n- no holds barred here. Um, do you guys think that Sam Bankman Freed will end up serving prison time? Yes. 100%. How much? 120 years. <laughs> I mean, it is that. So, so in seriousness, <laughs> or, or two I mean, two or three live lives. Well, well we read that if he were to be, you know, found guilty on all eight of the criminal charges against him, and those are just the criminal charges, he would serve like 112 years. But that's if he were found guilty of everything. And that's assuming like no deal is cut. But Stacey, what, what do you think? You think the 100 plus years, really? I'm, I'm skeptical. I think like 20 to 30. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this guy has just made Which so is many. Not to say that's all he deserves, but right. I, I don't know. I guess I'm a little pessimistic. Yes, he's probably going to serve some time. No way he's going to serve the maximum, I don't think. He sure doesn't seem in video footage, interviews, photos, like someone who appears terrified that he's about to go to prison for the rest of his life. I mean, he seems pretty chipper as if he knows something we don't. And, you know, I don't want to kill too much of our time getting too media navel gazy, but, you know, the treatment, the the sort of credulous, kind, sympathetic treatment by some media places, plus the commentary from some non-media public figures, it does make you think, and then depending on your point of view, worry that he made enough of the right friends and has enough of the privileged background that he is going to avoid any serious, serious punishment. So the reason why I said 120, um, first, I, th- I think that was over, wasn't it 112 for Caroline Ellison herself? Um, but Madoff, he got 150 years and he defrauded 36,000 people he was, he was convicted for. So I, I, but, uh, SBF was more money, more people, bigger. It's the contagion, I think, so we're, we're going to feel well into 2023, even 24. Um, and I can't see him getting out of there without a, a hundred or plus. Mm. I don't know. Like, I, I think you're right. But I also think, I don't know, I just feel like we're going to see this affluenza thing crop up with him, where, you know, he's the child of these like Ivy League parents, and he's always been coddled. And just I feel like we're about to hear some kind of argument like that, where they're basically gonna be like, please take pity on this poor tech wonderkin who just didn't know what he was doing. And then poof, there goes billions of dollars. I really right. think we're about to see some kind of defense like that. And unfortunately, and as much as it pains me, I think it's going to, to some extent, work. And he's not going to face anywhere yeah. near as many years me in prison too. as he could have. Stacey, you sound very pessimistic of the system in general, not just this. Well, shocking. Yes. Wow. Pessimistic I don't know if that's for this podcast. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. thinking about all the other cases we've seen where, like, you know, kids mm. of his background have yep. gotten off scot-free for heinous crimes. Well, and I could see, I could see something like they give you the, you know, a ban from financial markets. You can never again start a company, or you can never again trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus five to eight years, and out in three years on good behavior. You know, like 
but I just, I just somehow don't think it's going to be decades. Um, let's, let's table the Sam talk mercifully and get into our 2023, uh, industry predictions. So we each have a few, we haven't talked about each other's too much in length, but Matthew, uh, you go first. What do you got for something that you expect in the next, uh, 11 months? So I think this year we're going to see a couple big winners and big losers. My first prediction for this year, even maybe into next year, is we're going to have a couple big winners. And that, I think, is going to be Coinbase and Circle, uh, registered uh, exchanges, stable coins within the U.S. that is just going to, once regulation and regulators are starting to look at this, or even uh, new people into crypto, they're going to look at, see what happened with uh, FTX. They're going to compare that to, say, Binance and other exchanges, and they're going to gravitate toward Coinbase and uh, Circles USDC. Uh, you already see that ha- what's happening in uh, Canada. Um, Crypto.com is saying that they're not going to trade in USDT anymore, Tether, and moving to uh, USDC. And I think we're just going to see more of that across the board. And we're going to have a little kind of like stablecoin battle. And I think the battle is going to be between USDC and uh, BUSD. I don't think BUSD is going to be uh, in the United States as much, uh, but more maybe international. And so that leaves uh, USDC to just take up the market share here. I think the loser of uh, 2023 is going to be DeFi. I think that uh, people are going to be either regulated out of it, um, at least in the United States, or people are going to have a bad taste in their mouth because of just the amount of hacks, just everything with the Sam Bankman Freed, and they just want more security when it comes to their crypto investing. Yeah. I'm thinking about that backstory that we found out was over at Serum, the The Solana Dex. It was so subversive, the idea that I guess, okay, so we should, should we do a little bit of context here before I launch into like my thought? <laughs> yeah. Re- remind anyone who isn't yes. as obsessively For anyone who hasn't been like reading this and like following it for three months, like we have. Um, you think we have any listeners who don't read every single one of our stories every day? Of course <laughs> not. Um, but anyway, so Serum was this big, I, I think, uh, well, it wasn't really like a, a uh, exchange per se on DeFi. What would we call this on Solana? I think a DEX. It was a DEX. Okay, but not so as was... big as like Uniswap. But yeah. yeah. Okay. So Serum was a, a DEX on Solana. It was founded by Sam Bankman-Fried. But the whole idea with DeFi is that like there was a DAO attached to it, and it should have been up to the DAO and everyone who's voting in the DAO how and when to make changes to the code that is operating the whole thing. Um, they found out after the fact that there was basically a backdoor, like there was a way that someone at FTX could have just accessed and made updates to the code completely like unilaterally. Nobody has to say yes or no, completely like regardless of what the DAO says. I almost said irregardless, which is one of my pet peeves. Um, And that was just crazy because it just totally undermines the whole idea of DeFi because like the whole appeal of it for traders is supposed to be that like you could just go and look at the smart contract and you know that it can't do anything other than what's there in the code and that the code can't be changed unless everybody votes on it and you know what the process is. And then this just subverts everything. Oh, that was horrible. So yeah, I, unfortunately I think DeFi has indeed taken a big hit. So I, I agree with you, Matt, for sure. It's, and, and what I'd add on that, and it relates back to our FTX discussion. I'm glad Matthew, that you mentioned Coinbase. I think so too, that, that Coinbase has an opportunity here and it's not a hard prediction. They've already taken it. I mean, they've launched new marketing in the wake of the FTX collapse, I think wisely, uh, to do, if not a victory lap, because they also just had more layoffs. So it's not like, you know, they're, they're thriving right now and the stock has been a dog. But if not a victory lap, it has been an opportunity for them to just um, position themselves in contrast. Because right. the mistake that a lot of big DeFi advocates made when FTX went down is they said, see, see, 
this is why you shouldn't put your crypto in a centralized exchange. Fine to say that. But then part two, and centralized exchanges will go away. No, they, they won't. They really won't. Right. DeFi is still not at a point where it's easy enough to use for mainstream, you know, regular folks. And I don't just mean like boomers. Like there are young people who are perfectly tech savvy and use tech tools who still can't, you know, they're not at a point where they would go use Uniswap and figure out MetaMask and those kind of things. For them, if they've decided I'd like to buy a little crypto, they're going to continue to use a centralized exchange. They might be a lot more wary and they might say, uh-oh, FTX fell down. But, you know, Coinbase gets to say, we never lend out or trade with customer funds. You know, we hold your funds one-to-one. Now, of course, FTX said that, but it was a lie. And then part two, we don't even have an exchange token. And even that part has been interesting recently, of course, because uh, Stacey, just in the last few days, there was a story about, you know, Binance acknowledging that, oops, at times uh, our peg failed, you know, with our um, exchange token. And so, you know, the idea of an exchange having its own token isn't like evil per se, but after FTT, it raises some red flags and Coinbase gets to say, we don't even need that. We don't mess with that. So I do think that even though we just saw more layoffs from Coinbase because everyone's hurting, I think Coinbase will be fine and will eventually thrive. I mean, they've survived these cycles before. Yeah, I, I, it's theirs to lose. Right. But I mean, we saw them do that really bad NFT platform. So like, I don't want to pretend that like we haven't seen them make some big missteps before. So, you know, if if we're if whoever's rooting for them, just hope that they don't do something like that again with what has basically been handed to them. This opportunity to kind of become more dominant than they have been. Agree. Agree. And, you know, just like it's been, it will continue to be that DeFi and CeFi mm-hmm. coexist. You know, sorry, DGENs. CeFi won't go away, but DeFi can continue to grow. And the other thing with DeFi we've always said is like, yes, it, it's it's gotten bigger. It's big now. But I always say, e- even though at its peak, the amount of money was pretty impressive, the amount of individual human beings using it is still very small. As I understand it, it's like fewer than 3 million people have mm-hmm. you know, used a, a DeFi pool or DeFi protocol. So, you know, it has a long way to go, uh, early days. Stacy, what you got for your first prediction? I'm trying to think of which one I want to pick up here first. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the IRS. Um, so the IRS punted on having to come up with some clarifying language around the whole broker definition. And this is like going all the way back to 2021 when they were doing the bipartisan spending bill. Um, So basically that got approved and then everyone was basically told, okay, wait, we have to figure out how this is going to actually play out. And we needed some rules around it to figure out how people were going to have to, you know, try to comply with this thing. Uh, The broker definition I'm referring to is the idea that basically any participant in crypto all the way down to like individual developers or people who run uh, miners would have to collect private information from anyone who's interacting with them. which is like impossible and not feasible. And of course, crypto like advocates have made this argument again and again and again, but to no avail. It got approved, it went through, and then everyone was told, okay, let's wait and see how we actually have to comply with this. We still don't know because they just put something out in December saying, sorry, we need more time. Um, So my prediction is that everything that's just happened, hopefully is going to impact that. And we will get some clarification there this year. Um, Because this is around the time I feel like when some of the tax experts I talked to back then estimated or or predicted that we might be hearing something. So I, I think and hope they might be right. Yeah, the tax element has always been interesting to me, especially because for years, 
people were kind of like encouraged to disclose their crypto gains, but mm -hmm. if they didn't, nothing really happened. Right. Until all of a sudden the IRS like made it more explicit and it became clear that mm, you really should. And you're kind of, you're really risking it if you, if you want to not do it. Um, and, and then most recently at the end of this year, we saw what was the, um, what well, the basically fuckery going on <laughs> with people and NFTs toward the end of the year. And it was like loss harvesting tax harvesting. I saw some headlines about it, but I never fully understood it. They were either like dumping NFTs at a loss because then they can mm. write it off on their taxes or even buying like crappy NFTs and it's flipping them at a loss. thing where you can try to offset your gains with losses. And yeah. I don't know. It depends on how you do your accounting, like first in, first out, or I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not going to get into all the accounting jargon that's starting to kind of no. bubble up, but... <laughs> And, and Matt, Matt, you're probably tired of um, talking about taxes in general after having just run for uh, yes. uh, local office. <laughs> <laughs> no, taxes is always a, a good subject. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, I do know that a lot of people were at the end of the year um, were tax harvesting. And I know that you can sell some things that are lost. And you, you, in, in crypto, in stocks, you have to have a waiting period. I think it's a, a month or more. Um, but in crypto, you can literally buy them back and they haven't specified. And they wanted to change that at one point, but they haven't specified how, what the waiting period is. So you can literally sell it and then buy them back in. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing with the crypto um, is selling it, buying it back for pretty much the same price, locking in your $3,000 um, losses that you can lock in for the last year and then claim those at the end and offer your taxes. Yeah. And we have seen those John Doe summons go out to a couple of exchanges too because, you know, they're looking for people who they think have committed some kind of tax fraud and like underpaid or underreported or something. So it sounds like for now we're going to get like a stay of execution basically for people. Mm. But, you know, to your you guys' point, uh, folks are already, I guess, deploying some strategies to try to minimize the tax bill they'll have to pay on their crypto. Yeah. And quick related note, you know, and this has been true for years already, but uh, boom time for crypto related attorneys and accountants. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. There's so many I mean, on the Twitter now. They're everywhere. That, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're seeing that. It's early enough that, that, you know, if you're just like, you know, a youngish, well, you don't have to be young, but you're like, you know, some kind of bankruptcy lawyer or whatever it is, you, you see an opportunity to suddenly, like it's, it's a new enough area that you can quickly make a big personal brand name for yourself mm -hmm. than in other areas. You say, oh, I'm a blockchain attorney. Oh, well, what's your experience? Oh, uh, yeah, I've represented some Web3 clients. Okay. I read Decrypt. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, Dan, what's yours, man? Okay, I'll start. Well, we were just talking about NFTs. And at the risk of sounding like some kind of big, you know, NFT bull, and I'm not really, um, you know, and in fact, one of my columns last year I wrote was about my problems with Board Ape Yacht Club. And boy, my Twitter mentions have, were ruined for a couple of weeks because the people that own apes just, I don't know, they're, they're very sensitive. They're very angry. You know, NGMI, not going to make it, hater. Uh, yeah. But I just wrote that, you know, in some ways I think it's a little cult like. Now, meanwhile, we've had the founders on the on the pod, and they were great. But uh, so all that is just to to caveat that I'm not like Mister, you know, collecting and flipping JPEGs. That said, uh, I think we will see a bit of a comeback of the NFT speculative boom. Now, definitely not the level of mania we saw at the peak in 2021. And our colleague Andrew Hayward has written about this stuff extensively. But most recently, he has pointed out that it isn't correct that NFT PFPs, and by that I mean profile picture collections, you know, basically collections where you buy it for the art. Uh, maybe you don't make your profile picture, but I, I say that to distinguish 
those from like the NFTs that have a, a purpose, like the ones that it's a ticket into a club or it's a pass for an event or whatever. But NFTs that you would buy for the art are not completely dead. It, that is not correct. Now, many places gleefully have written articles in the last six months, like the market is down 97%. And that's true. Hard to argue with that. I mean, if, if there was a moment, a bubble, it popped. Yep. Not disputing that. But quietly, there have still been some individual collections that have sold very well. So there are buyers. There are people willing to pay money for them. There are people that still see a lot of potential in this technology. And you're starting to feel it bubbling up again, I think. You know, let's see in the next couple of weeks. But there was the Trump collection. And haha, I know maybe people bought it as a joke and it was horrible and ridiculous. But hey, and then to get hyper, that was like two weeks ago. And then hyper recently in the last few days, there's been the release of the official Game of Thrones collection sanctioned by Warner Brothers. And the art is terrible. It looks ridiculous. There but it is. sold out. Look like- sold out Ooh. in a few hours. Yeah, it's not good. There are people willing to put up their hard-earned money to buy a digital image. And all the haters say, well, oh, that's so stupid. I, I screenshot and save it. Okay, but your screenshot isn't on blockchain, provably unique with an address that shows that you own it. So I think you're going to start to see some high prices creep back up. You know, And if you're a crypto punk owner or a board ape owner and your value went down a little bit, you're probably pleased and you like to hear that. I really think that's what's going to happen. Now, with a couple of things that need to happen along with it. I'd like to see more uses. I'd like to see more of the NFTs that people pay money for have something that comes along with them other than it's just an image. Uh, you know, maybe you get some kind of bonus privilege for owning it, you know, or you own it for a certain amount of time. The other cool thing I'm seeing is some whispers and experiments of using NFTs in games. Like, well, you know, you get a random one and then there's a raffle, whatever it is. So I, I think it's going to continue to be interesting. I believe in the technology but uh, I'll give you another thing that has to happen. We are going to stop calling them all NFTs. The term has been utterly made poisonous. It's become toxic. They're all just tokens. You know, cryptocurrencies are tokens, but they're used differently than NFTs are tokens. It's all tokens. So we got to just get rid of that acronym because people, it, it triggers them. Hey, so what do you think about the, the what chain they're going to use? You think Solana is going to bounce back? Do you think it's just going to be more of like a polygon, Ethereum sort of thing? Because, I mean, not only are we talking about, you know, the NFTs themselves being in the shitter, we're talking about chains taking big hits because of contagion. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Dan, do you want to take this one? I'm surprised well, you didn't mention the Reddit collection. So, well, I was, I was just waiting for say, you I mean, to mention that one. I was in, thinking in polygon, polygon yeah. you know, in favor of polygon, they scored a bunch of big name partnerships toward the end of the year. Uh, Reddit, mm-hmm. Starbucks, Instagram, so these are big names that are deciding to use Polygon instead of Ethereum. The argument with Ethereum for the last two years was like, even when gas fees were way too high. I mean, there were, there were parts where, you know, it would cost you more to sell an NFT that you own than, it, than the amount the person's offering you, which is insane. Mm-hmm. And what Ethereum people always defended it by saying, they said, well, you know, the gas fees are high because everyone's using it. Ethereum is the Cadillac. You know, and, and I heard the argument that if you're launching a collection, you want it to be on Ethereum because that's the blue chip. You know, if you go over to Polygon to save money or Solana, you know, it's cheapo. I certainly don't. I think that's going away. I don't agree with that. But I do think Solana, I mean, Stacey's probably written about this more, but Solana is in a tough spot right now. It's. I think the best. I think the best thing I heard about between the the cheapo and air quotes, uh, so, you know, minting on Solana, Polygon, Oposa minting on Ethereum and their gas fees of, you know, or to transact is that you're getting a lot of crap because of the low gas gas fees. You're allowed to 
if you're able to get those 10,000 mints, just put out whatever the hell you want. A lot of scammers, a lot of rugs, just because of the barrier to entry isn't there. But if you have high gas fees, high mint prices, and so on and so forth, uh, you really got to want to do this um, from the buyer and the seller and the creator to get, get something that's successful. And it has to have something inherent to it. Now, if it's not the art, the community, the utility, or what have you, uh, if you're paying, you know, tens of dollars or hundreds of dollars for gas or, or a mint opposed to pennies, uh, it better be worth it, you know? And I think that's where we've seen a lot of, a lot more unsafe. I have a wallet. I have my Solana wallet with filled with NFT scams and rugs. I tried. I was like, hey, let's get into it. I don't think I've got one that lasted through the yeah. whole um, boom bust cycle. And yes, I am holding crypto zoo eggs, by the way, but that's not that's not <laughs> oh, a theory. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Logan Paul. Yeah. Tough for Solana, you know, because it was just so tied to Sam. I mean, when your biggest booster has such a collapse, if Serum, Solana. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But, you know, we, we saw that Vitalik did that tweet kind of, which I thought was very magnanimous. Uh, for him to publicly say, you know, I wish all the best for this thing that, you know, all those things are always called Ethereum killers, which is probably was never a fair, accurate way to lump them all together. Yeah, I, I don't think it's fair. to. I don't think they actually have animosity towards one another. They don't hope the other chain goes away. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We're, nobody said anything about Avalanche, but that's OK. <laughs> the only uh, yeah, the VC chain, the suits, as I think of it, but they've done a lot right. Um, yeah, the only animosity is like Bitcoiners to ETH and everything else. To everyone. <laughs> um, Matthew, back around the horn. Next prediction. Back around the horn. Next position. Uh, prediction. Position. Prediction. I don't think that the contagion is over from FTX, Luna, Three Euros Capital. I, look, we're looking at things like um, uh, uh, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, uh, DCG, Genesis. Uh, Genesis is... Um, Oh, owes a lot of people money. Uh, we just heard, you know, um, Cameron Rinkovoss writing letters to Barry Silbert, the CEO of DCG, saying he's unfit to hold office or not hold office. Sorry, I'm still in campaign mode <laughs> uh, to be the uh, chief executive officer, um, which I guess is an office in in general. But he's unfit to, you know, be the CEO. Um, they owe Genesis owes Gemini nine hundred fifty million dollars. They also owe uh, Bitbavo. Uh, a Dutch exchange, uh, 200 and is it 90 million US dollars as well? Long story short is there's a lot of money unaccounted for, a lot of money not being paid back that still hasn't been, in my opinion, factored into the contagion. And the contagion meaning that, look, when you had FTX collapse and Luna and Three Arrows Capital and Celsius and Voyager and BlockFi, all of that money was just changing hands between different people that were holding it or staking it or putting it up for collateralized loans or betting it on margin spreads and, and trades and what have you, it's not all accounted for. And so I think that we're going to see more contagion fall out. I think that's going to negatively, negatively affect, and I don't like to make price predictions, but just the space in general, it's going to be a downward movement on the entire space and price. Um, and I think that if it doesn't happen and we don't see more contagion in a very big downward force, then I think that we need to ask why. Because I think that for using Dan's word, if we don't see more downward force and more contagion, we're going to have to ask, where is the fuckery? Because there has to be more. Because there's still outstanding debts that haven't been paid. And you just can't write off billions and billions of dollars uh, of people's money. Yeah. Contagion. 
we wrote i mean i wrote up a big story for the end of the year but like it's not as if the contagion has stopped just because like we flipped over to a new calendar year like right <laughs> the contagion is still going i definitely think i agree with you that we're going to see dcg genesis fall i'm wondering do you think gemini is in danger too like how how much do you think gemini is in danger if they do not get this money back from genesis i mean do you think they've been noisy about it because they're not going to survive if they can't get this money back yeah, that's a that's a really good question. I, I I don't know because honestly, you know what I'm looking for more is the people who are being quiet. Mm. Right now, mm-hmm. we actually they can yep. the people who are coming out can mitigate it because they are saying, hey, this is what we're owed. Uh, I think the Gemini urn was probably separate from Gemini Exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they do have to declare bankruptcy, they're declaring bankruptcy on the urn program, not the exchange. And I think they were smart enough to you know insulate the the two. And sorry the earning program customers are going to be shit out of luck or maybe just go and get like 50% of their uh, money back. But it's going to protect them from, uh, it, they're going to be protected because I don't think they were stupid like Sam Bankman fried cross-contaminating funds and loaning their company's money and, you know, tr- trading with customers' funds. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm really worried about is things like crypto.com, which in my mm-hmm. opinion is an exact cut and copy of FTX and what they were doing with their crow token, with naming stadiums, with bombastic, Kronos, crazy yeah. spending all over there in sports. Yeah. And nobody is talking about them. They said, Hey, what's going on with crow token. They did a run on them for a little bit. They, they stood up, they were okay, but w- wait, they're fine. You're trying to tell me that none yeah. of this affects them. Mm. I'm worried about Crow. I'm worried about Binance. I'm worried about BUSD. I'm worried about uh, the almost cut and com- copy uh, methods that were used by FTX to create capital. And we don't know what happened to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great point about crypto.com. And, you know, we're careful not to speculate it. But uh, I agree with you that it's been sort of forgotten, although they had two rounds of layoffs in the summer. And then in November, you know, they had an, an incident. And it was bad timing because it was right after the FTX stuff where uh, Crypto.com sent $400 million worth of money to the wrong address. And the CEO tried to come out and say like, yeah, it's just a mistake. All good. They sent it back. All handled. And then, of course, as people were like, "Mm, why would we just believe that after everything that has happened? And then the CEO said, oh, that's all FUD, 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 FUD. And Mm -hmm. after, you know, Terra and Celsius and Voyager and FTX, I think people are getting far less willing to accept like, oh, you can just call anything FUD. Like you can call any negative story or accusation FUD. What you need to do is address it and be extremely transparent and spell out, no, 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 here's what's actually going on. And anything short of that, if you just try and dismiss it, you just look, it just looks worse for you. You know, like a few days ago, CZ tweeted out and he said, more FUD coming, I will ignore. And the story was about, you know, Binance acknowledging the problems with its stablecoin peg. Well, that wasn't nothing. And I saw a good retweet from someone where they said, this, you know, trying to front run what you know will be a negative story, if anything, just brings more attention to the story. Mm-hmm. Now, when, when a CEO or founder calls something FUD, I'm like, oh, that makes me think it's the opposite. There is something here. Yeah, totally agree. You know, the thing I think is interesting is that there's like this uh, crypto Twitter playbook of how you release things and how things turn out. And, and it's like almost you could follow. It. It's like it's kind of like Justin Sun, right? Just about a week mm. ago or a week and a half ago, he's like, well, he's fine. We're not laying off anybody. We're totally cool. Then the week after, he's like, it looks like Colby's going to uh, lay off some people and they're going to inject some $100 million of his own personal funds into um, his uh, into into Hobby. So it's like th- this cycle just keeps playing out. And I think that the, the more we see it, the more we're actually used to it. 
uh, in two ways, a positive and a negative. Uh, that one, we don't believe it anymore. Like, oh, you're you're full of shit, or this isn't fun. You're you're mm. something's wrong there. Let's not believe it. And the other one is is I think a, a lot of people just feel that playbook and they see that playbook, and almost because we're not holding them accountable, so that that is the playbook. Like, hey, okay, let's just tweet that shit's okay. Things get messed up and say, oh, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I saw there's definitely more coming. In fact, I'm hunting down a, a scoop even as we speak on on a player that I think might be in trouble. I think they are out there, but they're being silent. I saw a tweet yesterday, and it must have just resurfaced. Um, is this your white whale? It's, no, it's from no. Yeah, it's from it's, no. But this tweet is from the most November twelfth. Way I can ask you that yeah. on the podcast. Yes, <laughs> this tweet is from November twelfth. It says all of the bodies have not yet risen to the surface. Mm. It's true. Wow. You know? I mean, wow, you hate to see good. it, but at the same time, Very you start to think that we need this, we need a full washout, you know, like it needs to get worse and more painful for it to really bottom and then, okay, hit reset. I feel like this is going to be a little controversial, but, and this is kind of going off of what Matt said about DeFi. I think we're going to see more DAOs and more DAO treasuries put their assets in like real world stuff. Like treasury bonds. Mm. So there was the great, did they call it the schism? I can't remember what they called it for MakerDAO. It probably wasn't the schism. <laughs> but it was basically like, it was, um, shoot, they had a name for it. There's a name for everything in Twitter. Endgame? End I think they were calling proposal? it the Endgame. Yep, the Endgame yeah, proposal. Split, yeah. Where it was kind of splitting everything out into like, I believe they were calling them sub-DAOs. And so the one that's kind of heading up putting some of their treasury into treasury bonds, actually UST bills has actually been doing very well with that. Um, awkward. And, yeah. Very awkward. It's like, what about crypto? Yeah. <laughs> How can you call yourself a DJ? And if you're like, yay, we made money off of treasury bills, like, but yeah, go to wall street, but here we are and they're doing well with it. And so I think, I think some of the DeFi projects, the DAO projects, the ones that are still trying to hang in there, like, are going to have to start considering, I don't want to say, like, diluting their principles. I I don't want to accuse any of these people of not believing in, like, the, what DeFi is and what being a DJ is, but just, they're going to have to get a little more creative and add different asset classes for how they're just storing their treasury. Like, I think, was it them or another one of them? Like they had a bunch of like stable coins sitting around basically just doing nothing. Like almost no company is going to take like it's a huge treasury and not try to invest and make at least some interest and make that money make you money. And it feels like a lot of projects in the DeFi world, and this is in part because it's just so young, had kind of overlooked that that was a thing they could be doing and that there are low risk ways of doing that, not necessarily very high risky ways like, hey, 20% return. So it doesn't necessarily have to be that, but if you have enough of a treasury sitting around, you can stand to get two or three percent and still make like a nice healthy return on you know the money you've invested. So I think we're gonna selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. See more people do that. And I think this time around, it's going to be less controversial because of what MakerDAO's already done. Yep. Yep. I think that's good. And uh, I'll give you my next prediction, which plays off that a little bit in terms of like the awkwardness. Ooh, are we getting away from our DGEN utopian principles? Um, speaking of a split, you know, the dirty secret of crypto has always been that like, you know, it's it's not so decentralized. I mean, even the things that say, well, we're a decentralized blockchain, they have their obvious decision maker and the the people who are the faces of the thing. So my prediction is you're going to see a lot more places play nice with regulators. You know, what, what was formerly the Binance playbook, like is mostly not going to fly. I mean, unless you want to just give up completely on the US market and say, we do what we want and we don't give up customer info, which will win you fans on crypto Twitter, but it's not going to be that sustainable as a business. And mm-hmm. it goes back to the Coinbase thing that, that Matthew pointed out. Like, you know, some of the companies that continue to do well in crypto or, or last are going to be the ones that try to please all all parties or, or actually arguably try to please the non-crypto people more. You know, they do KYC and AML and they comply, you know, and they spend uh, on compliance people and lawyers. Coinbase, in addition to saying we don't have an exchange token like, like FTX did and we don't trade on customer funds, they can also say, and we're publicly traded in the US. Now, old school people who are really, really careful and traditional can still say, oh, it's not FDIC insured. Okay. But you get a lot of mileage by saying we're publicly traded. You know, you can buy our stock. Ooh, oh, we have a stock. So similarly, I think some companies that resisted that are going to subtly start to comply. You know, Kraken's always been an interesting example. Because it was a centralized exchange, but Jesse Powell is a true OG DGEN with all the usual libertarian values of the people like Eric Voorhees at Shapeshift. And now they've diverged a little. I mean, Shapeshift literally became a DAO. You know, Eric Voorhees will tell you, I'm no longer the CEO. There's no CEO. We're a DAO. Mm -hmm. Whereas Kraken has, you know, quietly, I think, survived and thrived, even though they had layoffs, just like everyone else. And even though he said some things he got canceled for that were offensive, like, you know, um, I think Kraken and some of those other centralized exchanges will thrive by by playing nice with the lawmakers. I think that's what really carried Voyager uh, forward um, is, mm. is, is being publicly traded. You mm-hmm. know, it's like when I was looking at and I didn't and my, my listeners know this is I did have money in Voyager. Um, I did not lose it because I saw the writing on the wall. And thank you, I did. Uh, but, wow. you know, um, it was between that and Celsius and BlockFi. And I saw that they were a publicly listed company. And I was just like, at least that they have something there that shows that they're showing somebody something that agrees to something that makes them go on the on some market, mm-hmm. even though it's not the United States. So um, that's why I, I trusted Voyager. And I think that you're right. Like more companies are going to go go that route in one shape or form and to create that trust. And I think that we're, we're going to need that trust uh, in the crypto space after this whole FTX debacle, mm. a- especially yeah. after he gets 150 years. If we're BlockFi always looked too good to be true. If we're doing confessions, I had money in BlockFi for a bit and was like, mm, because I think it was right around the time when the the news of this, I don't, it's not sanctions. What did they get hit with? It was basically a settlement, that big settlement. Oh, yeah. it, state attorneys general said this looks like a security. Like I got the thing saying fine. we can't make any more new accounts of this thing that you have. And then I saw the press release come out and I was like, "Mm, I'm not waiting for this to be shut down and be like, sorry, you can't have your money back. 
So I managed yeah. to get out of BlockFi. But yeah, for a while I was in there. I think I even remember like recommending to a friend, like, you know, if you want a low risk way to earn some money on your crypto, yep. you should check out <sighs> BlockFi. Also, they're a Jersey company and I'm forever a well, Jersey. And girl. I don't blame you also <laughs> because um, these these high yield savings accounts, yeah. like, you know, Marcus and Ally, their high yield was at, at the best of things, 2%. And then along comes BlockFi saying, you know, 2%, you can get 18% Wait. with us. You go, oh. Can I tell you a funny story about that? So I was still at Goldman when Marcus came out and they were doing, you know, all the big marketing about their interest rate. And I played on a rec volleyball team with a bunch of people I worked with there. And we named ourselves, I think it was 2.25% after the interest rate. (laughs) But as we began to play games, the interest rate kept going down and it became more and more embarrassing to have to try to explain to people we were playing against Oh, well, this was supposed to be a reference to the interest rate on the Marcus accounts, but it's not that high anymore. Sorry. Right. We're now the 0.12 percenters. Yeah. You, you know what I really think is, is interesting about that whole thing is that the crypto space, and I still don't know if this is true or not, in, in banking and crypto, I don't know enough about banks and I don't know how much they work or how they work you know, uh, enough, but we always know that 0% interest is they could be paying more than that. And so anything, uh, any amount north of zero, we will believe. Mm-hmm. If they say banks could afford 8%, we're like, yeah, they could. And so if somebody came out with an earn program for 8%, we're like, that's what banks should be doing. If they said 20%, we're like, of course banks could be doing that. Mm-hmm. But there's still not a understanding, I think, of the populace, of the average consumer, of what is can a market tolerate that is sustainable when it comes to yield off your money being fractional reserve to a bank or any kind of lender. And so I think that that, is part, that was part of the delusion that we had, that 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 15%, or whatever crazy number that's going to be out there um, is going to be believed until we understand how markets react and what the price is for uh, that sort of lending service. Yep. Yeah, that's well put. Yep. It's easy to see why people were uh, romanticized, wooed. By those high rates, but also easy oh, to see. Oh, there's two people on this call that's wooed, yeah, Dan. You're just, Dan, Dan, I think you're you know. wooed too, but you're just not admitting it. <laughs> no, no, I, yeah, if anything. Yeah, did you I'm have too... money in any of us? No, 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 yeah. no. I'll, I'll search you did. on Celsius. They have that spreadsheet and that website. Yeah, I'll search you. Do it. I, now, I did, I did, I did and do have a Marcus account. Mm. And at some point, as the rate kept falling, I, I was, you know, I guess I'm also an example of like the inverse, which is the sucker for what's trusted. I was like, well, it's Goldman. So, you know, that's, that's good and safe and sure it's been safe, but it hasn't been much better than putting the money under your mattress, you know, yeah. um, that, you know, I was getting 2% interest for like three months and then it was like, we're lowering our rate to 1.9%, but don't worry. That's still great. Here's the average of other savings accounts where you're still getting a great rate. Wow. Then it was 1.6, 1.5. Then it fell below 1%. Then it was half a percent. It was like, what am I doing here? I should put it into stocks. Now that wouldn't have gone so well either in the last year, but. It, oof, just tough. Well, it depends on your time horizon, Dan. As they yes, like to yes, say, yes. investing. BTFD, Dan. BTFD. <laughs> uh, Matthew, final of of your predictions. These are the ones that have to be like outlandish, right? You, no, you that's want, later. One, one, la- okay, one last, okay, one last one. sobering one. Okay. Sorry, Mac. Okay, ahead. so my my prediction is is I don't know if it's much of a prediction or or advice, but this is not financial advice, obviously. Because we don't do that on any show, um, or even on this show, never. Uh, <laughs> um, but 
I think that during this year, 2023, we're going to see new new tech come out or new use cases for crypto or blockchain or whatever that are going to fuel the bull run of whatever it's going to be, 2024, 25, 26, 27, whenever it's going to happen. I think that we're going to see that come out this year. So I think if anybody's savvy and is really paying attention to the space, that they're going to see that tech happen. And I'm just going to compare this to the ICO. The ICO that you know launched Ethereum, that launched many uh, startups that you know, a lot, most of them failed, but are still around today, happened before the 2017, 2018 bull. Uh, and we, and that, those were fueled by ICOs. I haven't heard anything about ICOs. I haven't seen anything yet, but that those companies and that um, fever are like really fueled that bull. This next one was, you know, NFTs, DeFi, things that we were trading back in 2017, 2018. I was uh, messing around with a, a company that just laid off some employees the other day, um, Super Rare. I was you know, I was trading NFTs on them back when they launched, and that we saw the NFT and in the, the DeFi space uh, really just push this bull run. So I would say pay attention to what's going to come out in the new use cases because I think that those coins or those altcoins or shit coins or use cases are going to fuel the next bull. And if and if somebody is really paying attention, they could um, really see something special happen. I think. In other words, the endorsement of even though it's become a cliche to say it, it's the truth. The crypto people say we're heads down building, mm-hmm. or they say, you know, bear markets are for builders. It's a good time to build. You know, you're saying keeping the faith will reward people long term, which I like. No, I, I no, I don't know if it's going to reward people long term. I think it's going to reward people short term in the bull. <laughs> well, <laughs> and then, but I mean, then all I those mean, companies go tilt up, and then <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah exactly. I mean, the things exactly. being built right now during this bad time will will work out and bear fruit. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Just as long as you know how to pick that fruit and don't hold that fruit until it goes rotten in your pocket. Fruit analogies. <laughs> nice. Yay. <laughs> We're mixing a couple of things there. Yeah. Diamond hands, but fruits. Nice. Uh, Stacy, last straight one. Um, okay, I'll, I'll go with this one. It was on my list from before. Uh, so I, And this is a very safe bet. I think we're going to see privacy, security, and risk startups or projects that maybe have been kind Mm. of like simmering under the surface or, you know, not really made it big yet. Those are going to germinate faster. Now we have gardening analogies. Those are going to germinate faster than their rivals as things kind of start to come back and activity moves back into the space. Like I've seen... um, and I'm not going to name any of them because obviously we're not, I don't particularly want to endorse any project or company here, but like I've seen a couple where like they're small, they have a really interesting idea and it just feels to me like those are like prime acquisition targets probably for like some of these really big companies that have started to make a foray into crypto and are probably worried that they can't keep at it unless they do something to reassure their customers that don't worry, we're being safe about this. So like I'm thinking about, I believe it was MasterCard that acquired that one big security startup. Although I can't remember their name right now, but like I saw them do a bunch of acquisitions. If you, if you can't build it. Buy yeah. It. Basically if you can't build it buy. It. And so all of the big companies that are outside of crypto are insulated enough from it. that are not doing as bad as some of the big crypto companies are going to go on a shopping spree. And like, I, I just think we're going to start to see this rash of M&A activity. And I think it's going to be those kinds of companies that are probably going to get snatched up. That's a really good point because this is the time to do that because everything is so dirt cheap right now, especially if you're a big mm-hmm. company. You know, you're, you're going to be just you know, people who did, you know, 
uh, thought they were going to be valued like super high or valued super high and, you know, doing crazy ass series A, Bs and in 2020-2021, they're going to be scooped up for real cheap of founders and CEOs that are just saying, yeah, this didn't work out the way, the way I planned and I'm not going to be able to, you know, have any runway or get as much, uh, you know, new investment. So I'm just going to sell and I'm going to sell to whoever for the most part. That's a good yeah, point. They'll, they'll be happy to get an, just to have an exit rather than just have to shut it down and be like, that didn't work, <laughs> you know? Or or slog it out for the next, like, oh, I don't know how this long is going to last, yeah. and I have to slog it out for 10 years yeah, again. Yeah. And... By the way, it was Cypher Trace was the company's name I was trying to think of. Uh, I, I... Right. Yeah. Yeah, so it was MasterCard, yeah. Yeah, and I, I like that prediction, too. It's a little bit contrarian because those things typically have not been very sexy, you know, or they're they're not really the things that get people's juices going like, ooh, you know, we're focused on security or we're focused on, um, you know, either masking or privacy, but that's what will, it's similar to, you know, our, it's another easy prediction, but when we all agreed that the law firms are going to win <laughs> this year, I mean, I have a buddy who's a bankruptcy uh, lawyer out in Seattle and uh, he, he has quite a beat, which is cannabis companies oh, wow. and crypto companies. And that's been the case for a few years now. And the past six months you have been a boom time for him. To handle Not great for companies of those customers of those covering companies. Covering the other, I will let everyone figure out which one is which. <laughs> right, right, that's good. Um, my last of our of our big three predictions, and you know this is kind of the Stacy beat, but it seems to me that we've been inching closer and closer to an actual crypto law. Uh, we've certainly interviewed a number of these politicians who have put forth bills, but then they get mired down mostly from the members of, of Congress or the you know Senate who just really don't want to have any conversation about crypto. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to talk about it. Eh, you know, go away. Um, but we know that there are those advocates who, and you don't even any longer, I think, have to be like a crypto crazy rah-rah to be supporting some kind of sensible crypto legislation. You know, we had Cynthia Lummis on the pod. There's the Lummis Gillibrand bill. We interviewed uh, Kara Calvert, who is uh, head of policy at Coinbase. Uh, we interviewed her at Mainnet, and she said, here are two other bills we love that are a little more under the radar. There are bills in progress. What I think FTX did is it lit the fire on both sides. You know, people who have, you know, politicians who've been advocating for some kind of crypto regulatory bill that isn't so anti-crypto and politicians who basically are anti-crypto, whether they'd admit it or not. But it has lit a fire for all those folks to at least agree, we need something. We need something better than pointing to the existing, you know, trying to squeeze this new technology into the existing holes. Um, so, you know, do I think we'll see an actual law in this calendar year? Maybe, although probably toward the end of the year. But if not this year, next year, something that uh, has new guidelines for companies to follow. I'm sure it'll be controversial, but this is good news. Like, you know, I love to say this, I, poor Stacey's heard me be a broken record with this soundbite, but, you know, people in crypto think that just the word regulation is horrible. Oh God, regulation. But regulation doesn't have to equal shutting down. You know, when you hear someone say we need to regulate crypto, that doesn't always mean that person is saying get rid of it. They're just saying we need to put some safeguards in place, some spray paint, some lines on the side of the highway for companies to follow to protect investors. So I think we might see something, a law either pass or get really close, or we might finally see the the concrete design of what will be the eventual new crypto law. Yeah, 
I, I don't know if I agree with that. Um, I, I I think I, I don't Good. know. I, I I think that I think that that I think over the past couple of months, you're right. You know, these bills. You know, the Joe Ban um, Lummis bill has been brought forward. A lot of other people have put things forward. You know, Senator Brown over here in Ohio has put things forward. Warren as well. Um, but I think because of the current Congress and the current dynamics that we have with the House and the in the Senate being a Republican Democrat with the the whole McCarthy thing where he, he, one one person dissenting can kick him out or at least call for a vote, I think we're not going to see much done anywhere in terms of anything. And I don't think crypto is going to be on the forefront no matter what happens with FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried. I think that could be a front page item, and I don't think. Uh, the, the the Congress is going to touch it with a ten foot pole, and even if they did, out of one uh, one um, chamber of, of of Congress, you're not going to see it past the other one. So I, I think that we're just going to see honestly total dysfunction in all legislation, and as well as just like uh, kind of dragging your feet on anything until 2024, or at least the the bare minimum to get something done, and that's still going to be tooth to the nail. Yeah. If only you had been oh, I'll just be part of the, the fiasco, yes. man. That's, that's I all. agree. I think all of the lawmakers for whom it ingratiates them to their base and the people who are going to keep them in office, the ones who need to say that and say that, you know, down with crypto, we need to legislate or regulate it out, have said that. And that doesn't mean anything's going to happen. And all the ones who need to defend it because that ingratiates them with their bases and that is going to keep them in office. They've said it. That guarantees nothing about a bill. Actually, you know, anything like we're going to see stuff get introduced. I do think we've seen quite a fair number of bills get introduced since everything happened with FTX. That doesn't mean they're going anywhere. So many of these things just die on the vine. Like, I don't know. I'm Mm, very skeptical that we're actually going to see something get done. Um, I think... The Boozman Stabenow bill has is basically left tainted, at least in my opinion, by the fact that, you know, Sam Bakeman Freed was so close to the process on that, so vocal in supporting mm. it. Like, I think at some point, I remember writing this post, but he wrote like a 5,000 word blog post explaining all of his ideas about policy and here's how we should do this in this bill. And like, I hate to say it, but I just I think that thing is going to die on the vine too because of just how close he was. I mean, we just ran the story the other day about mm. how they literally had an office across the street from the White House that they're now trying to get out of the lease for, of course, because they don't want to pay it. Too close. But, All those politicians who pose for photos with oh, him yeah. wish that that could just be erased. I, I, a la the VC firm that just tried to delete wow. its post praising. Actually, him. I do have a prediction for legislation that I want to uh, piggyback off of Dan. This is how I think it's going to play out. I think that it's going to play out completely in court cases. I think that precedent for the way the crypto space operates for the next couple of years is just going to be because people are suing, the SEC is suing, these cases are settled, and then we're just kind of like creating this kind of battle piece meal sort of framework that people are going to know, oh, I don't do that because this person was sued. I don't do this because this person was sued, or I can do this mm. because this person won in court. Um, I, I don't think that mm. that's how I think. And I think that people like um, the SEC, uh, or oh boy, uh, Gary G, he's going to come over there and he's going to, and people are going to try to, you know, start putting like a little bit more pressure be- behind certain companies uh, just to try to get that, I guess, what they want out of a legislation. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of these, in my opinion, 
smaller and not too popular companies and people get you know arrested and, mm. and then litigated against because they're that's how they're going to form the legislation and, and and the precedent of going I forward. do hang on i want to add this one little piece though because i think you're right but i think that means that all of this is being decided and figured out on crypto participants dimes rather than like you know the greater like the greater taxpayer dime you know because if we look at all these bankruptcy cases and all the different decisions and things that are being made there about what's proper what's right what how is this what's the norm for this we have to figure it out all of that adds up to billable hours and all of that is being taken away from the estate of all these companies that are bankrupt and are now going to have to give money back to customers so like the amount you're going to get back on every dollar that you had stuck on these exchanges is shrinking the longer these cases go on. And it's harder for them to do this because there are no regulations. And so, I mean, I feel like you could kind of argue that because regulations took as long as they did and we didn't really have anything on the books when all of this blew up. Like all the people who had money invested in all these companies and they're waiting to see what they're going to get back are going to get back even less. Like, so... It sucks that it's happening this way, but I do think you're right in that, sure, this is going to create some kind of like loose, unofficial framework that now maybe lawmakers are going to feel, okay, we kind of know what this could look like. You know, I I, I agree. I, I agree that that's how it's going to happen, but I think that that's pretty American yeah. to, as well. It's kind of like the Twitter debate we're talking about mm. free speech. You know, one of the we said it one of the one of the biggest things that they're saying about you know um, uh, free speech and Twitter and social media is like how does that play out? And there, a lot of people are are pointing to a court mm. and precedent. They're like, hey, we discussed this. We discussed the yelling things in the theater. We discussed uh, hate speech and what that means in, in court. You use the court cases to decide how we determined and we framed what freedom of speech looks like. And I think that in, a, in our free market, in air quotes, economy, capitalist society, mm -hmm. um, we know starting a business is good. But what does it look like? And I think that it's very American just to keep going to court, keep going to, going to court on the company's mm -hmm. dime or the client's dime or the customer's dime um, and figuring that out. And I know it's probably it, it kind of sucks because I think that's what I that's what I said is the SEC is going after the smaller mm -hmm. companies and they made a mistake going after Ripple because they got money. Yeah. You know, they should have just kept it on the small. But uh, I think that's how it's going to be figured out, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. See you in court. Um, it, yeah, it's it's that's funny that of all things like the political and regulatory part is what got us yeah. the most fired up and chatty. Um, now, rapid fire lightning round. I think we're just getting more comfortable we'll too. <laughs> <I know. laughs> we're like, it's an hour in the room. Really stuff is going to spill now. Ooh. Right, right. <laughs> Right. Well, well, now we've we've made our three predictions. Now, like, what's your one really far out uh, hot take, you know, call time to gaze in your crystal ball? I will start. And I'm not just trying to be provocative. Like, I think this I think the evidence makes this clear. In crypto, we saw the basically the downfall. We've talked about the companies, but of individual big name, you know, crypto gods, uh, Suju of 3AC, of 3AC Do Kwan, Luna, Terra, and then SBF. Um, and, and what everyone said toward the end of the year, like this is a secret, everyone said, oh, crypto, you know, has a way of raising up these people, golden boy, too much. We need to get away from that. And it's especially ironic that the industry does that because the whole point is decentralization. It shouldn't be about these individual people. 
but it is, it is, you know, each big project or chain has, even if it's decentralized, it has one person who's the face of it. Uh, we have not seen the end of the public disgrace downfalls, another big individual person. And I won't even bother naming examples because we can all think of some, but you know, we're talking about these people who have an enormous following. Every time they tweet, it gets big pickup. They have their engaged fanboys who worship them. Another one of those will be revealed to be, you know, in some way, dishonest, fraudulent, venal in 2023. Who will it be? Oh, I'll leave, that's my out on the limb take. Someone, someone who people are going to go, oh, not him. Oh no, I don't know if you're. I don't know if you're thinking nope. the same person I am. I was going to say CZ. Too bad. So, I mean, I'll, uh, I'll go on the record I, and say that I think CZ I mean, is going to get get in some shit. Well, I mean. Yeah. I think Binance will get into some shit, but I, I am not actually no. thinking of CZ. I'm not necess- I don't necessarily have one specific person I'm predicting, but I do I'm thinking of three or four in my head as examples of the type of people. Oh, people don't want to be on the edge. So it's either CZ, Marslick, who else? I mean, just name people who run something. There's Anatoly of Solana, you know, there's the the Avalanche founders. Um, Emin Gunsir, you know, every, every big project has like one or two people, people that you it. would, and another one of these people, there's will, also people that you wouldn't put on the list. Go, like go, I go. wouldn't put Armstrong on the list. I wouldn't put Winklevi on the, on the list either. Well, why? What's the list? Oh, really? People who are trust, oh, yeah. people who are trusted and seen as reliable. I mean, look at Barry, Barry. So this isn't, this isn't necessarily so a watch. You just think someone else who's going to shock us all. No, it's a yeah, it's a death oh, death watch list. Yeah. <laughs> well, know, not still. actual death. All right, but, you he's know. the obituaries for twenty twenty three. All right, oh, Dan, man. that old newspaper job. Pre write these obituaries. Well, editor in chief of the crypto obituary columnist. All right. Well, well, there's a, there's a great meme that that where people started adding Sam, and it was like people going join us, and it was up in the clouds in heaven, and it was all the totally disgraced, like you know. Um, the BitConnect and um, Do Kwan and the three AC guys and Alex Mashinsky of Celsius and the BlockFi founder. And they were going, join us, Calling Sam. And it was like, light. well, he did. So someone else mm-hmm. will, will join next. The li- often the lady doth protest too much too. You know, all the people who tweet the most like this is FUD. And, and it's like, mm. narrator, it wasn't. Yes. It wasn't FUD. Okay. What about you? Out on the limb. Who's going next? Wait, is it my turn? Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go go really quick because I'm gonna piggyback off of Dan. That was that was my thing too. I think that the people that we don't think are gonna be brought down, I, I don't want to say brought down because that's that's a negative. That are gonna that's gonna have bad luck, if if you will, are gonna be brought down. I was gonna actually put CZ and, and Binance on there, Binance International, uh, not US, but uh, Binance.com, BN, uh, BNB. BUSD and that whole kind of system that they have going. Um, I don't know how it would happen, but, and I think that the only reason why I'm saying this is not because I have anything against CZ or Binance or anything. It's just that we have, we saw, we were so tricked by Sam that if we were doing this last year, not one of us would have said FTX was going to mm-hmm. collapse. Not one of us. And if we saw it, we would have been ridiculed by one of one person on this call. We've been ridiculed by decrypt listeners and readers and and and, and Twitter. I, so I, that's why I'm going to say, if we're talking about bombastic, CZ, you're going to have a bad year, bro. Now, I've seen the take that like if Binance were to 
basically go the way of FTX, that would be even worse for the industry. That would be like un, insurmountable. Do you agree with that? Or there's no, there's no one player that's kind of so big that the whole industry goes down. I think, it's, I think it would be a disaster. I, I mean, but then again, at, that, the, yeah. at the same time, I would buy a Coinbase stock right when, right when Binance gets oh, yeah. uh... up. <laughs> Probably right. I don't want to predict someone's going to fall because I know yeah. I often wind up writing these stories. <laughs> I know it is mean. I know. I don't want to be that person. You're right. Uh, we should, it should have been positive. Damn How it. am I supposed to call oh, somebody's PR office and be like, to think hi, we're can done. you give me a comment on this? They're like, oh, that thing you said was going to happen back in January. <laughs> Great, Stacey. You were right. Yes, you can never comment. <laughs> right, right. It's it's based. Look, we can we can um, basically chalk up what Matthew and I just said to like trust no one. I mean, what people need to learn is none of these people are infallible. They all just even those who like somehow dodged being in FTX or three AC because that Venn diagram was so many. But those who Mm -hmm. were like we had no exposure to any of that. Well, they have exposure to something else then. So what happens when that something else goes? You don't reach any kind of size in this space without having somehow had business dealings with one of these big companies that is now in total distress or just completely bankrupt. So, yeah. Wait. So, can I go now? Uh, See, I'm glad I'm going last because mine is actually not as like Undertaker as you guys. (laughs) I think. I think gamers are finally going to come around to NFTs and Web3. I know. I like that. I did it. I rallied. I was bombastic. And this, I know. That is controversial, but I also like that it's positive. Strong hate. hate. Like, I'm just thinking about all the different, and I read a lot of these publications and you know, I started covering crypto, but I've been a gamer my whole life. And so I still read. I don't want to name any of them because, you know, they're entitled to their opinions. But there's a lot of gaming publications that have just openly, very snarkily talked shit on crypto and NFTs so bad. And I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking about every time that I have played an Assassin's Creed game and you accumulate tons and tons of items and then it's worth nothing but like you've dumped all your time and you've spent probably 60 dollars to acquire the game in the first place that's assuming you didn't get any of the expansion packs or dlc and then you put what maybe 50 60 hours into beating the thing and you walk away with that from nothing just you know having had the experience which is not to say the experience isn't enough but gee wouldn't it be nice if you could be like okay i'm a I'm a bow main, but I got this really cool spear that's supposed to be the most, mm-hmm. you know, rare spear in the game. Gee, wouldn't it be nice if you could just sell that to somebody who cares about using a spear? Because you don't. I would love to do that, even if it's just for in-game currency, not necessarily like real dollars. So just the. I know. Just don't call like, it this an kind NFT. of goes back to what you were saying. Just don't call it NFT. But like, I don't know. I was even talking to my friend. So she's a she's a pro road cyclist and she rides on a team. And of course, she also does rides in Zwift this is like this whole like gamified like virtual cycling thing the whole idea is that as you hit different like achievements in there you get given jerseys or hats or like cool special event like whatever sunglasses or socks that your avatar in there wears i was like well how cool would it be if people who are fans of yours because you know she's the first pro black woman cyclist is aisha mcgowan by the way uh my friend but 
How cool would it be if you could go up and buy up a pair of socks that her avatar used to own? You would know this because blockchain, because it's going to keep a record of who used to own it. And then now that's a tradable thing and you buy it and maybe Aisha gets a little cut of it every time it gets resold. But like, there's just so many different cool applications for this within gaming. And I I think and also hope that this is going to be the year that everyone just kind of finally comes around. It's just like, okay, fine, come on in. <laughs> like, we're not going to shut you down, Twitch. Or was it Twitch or Discord that was talking about doing more crypto integration and users basically, like, put a stop to it? It might have been both platforms, to be perfectly honest with you. I think it was Discord, yeah. Yeah, Dis- Discord yeah, did yeah. a little sneak peek. It was like a screenshot of, uh, of something and everyone shouted yeah, no, it down I... and then it died. I love that prediction. And without getting too meta, discuss media, like when you say, you know, they're entitled to their opinion a little bit, I'm like, well, are they? Because I've just been surprised how many publications, it's one thing if a writer Mm. writes a column, but there have been gaming publications that appear to have basically agreed as a rule, as an entire staff, we think NFTs are a total joke. And when we write about them, we will point and mock them. And I've been so surprised and disappointed by like, kind of the lack of intellectual curiosity. Like, you know, really, you think all these different people that are in them are just completely I mean, wrong and, and dumb and it's just a punchline to you and nothing else. It's with the I've been surprised by that. Like posts that do not age well <laughs> when everyone finally accepts that, yes, there are good and interesting applications for Web3 and gaming. So I don't know. They're going to get their comeuppance because all of this, I think, is eventually going to like it's going to merge and everyone's going to play nice and they're going to be the ones sitting with these like really nasty headlines and now like people are going to screenshot the nasty ones from like what 2021 2022 next to like the 2024 three headline whatever like krugman saying the fax machine will or or the internet will exactly go the way of the fax machine they'll get theirs i don't need to name them (laughs) comeuppance i like that yes we're ending on comeuppance um wow great stuff so we'll have to reconvene uh at the end of the year and we'll see which of these oh, was yeah. right. I have a feeling some of them will be like, real. it's like, well, we know which one this was. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, great stuff. So love it. Good way to kick off the year. And a reminder to those who've made it this far to just uh, keep on listening, keep subscribed. You'll hear Matthew on weekdays. You'll hear from us uh, on weekends with outside guests and deep dive, grilling them on their life story and all their takes. Maybe we should make every guest this year give us an out out on I like out that on the limb for the take, new like you know fun question at the end over that the cliff. we always do. <laughs> yeah, and and it's always so many. Of them see, are like, but then well, we can want it. It's like no, collect commit. them all, and then we can commit. look at them at the end of the year too. I, I say we do it. Yeah, love it. Cool, great stuff. Uh, see you right back here real soon, and you'll hear from Matthew uh, next next weekday. GM, yeah. thanks, Matt. And Thank Stacey. you, sir. That's our show today. Thanks for listening. GM is a Decrypt podcast co-hosted by Matthew Deemer, me, Dan Roberts, Stacey Elliott, Stephen Graves, Andrew Hayward, and Kate Irwin, and produced by Zach Edelman. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you podcast. And as always, you can get more info on our website, including video with our interview guests. Head to Decrypt.co. GM. GM.